righteousness. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and clean the land. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you, so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head, as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them, as he did to Zion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land, when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. This is the word of the Lord. Um, as you turn to Matthew chapter 24, um, for the reminders that last week we saw Jesus teaching to the crowds and the disciples and also proclaiming words upon the scribes and Pharisees. In this passage, um, Jesus addresses the disciples privately, and it might be a helpful exercise again for you to imagine how the disciples might have felt hearing those words of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 24, verse 1 to 13. Jesus left the temple and was going away, when his disciples came to him to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famine and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This is the Holy Spirit. Hi everyone. My name is Mike and it's good to have you join us on um, Sunday morning. Um, I thought, hey, what better way to begin a Sunday morning, 9 a.m together about the process of childbirth together. Okay. Should we do it? All right, here's a picture. It's not a childbirth. Um, here's a picture coming up on the screen, and this is um, a picture of our son. His name's Lincoln, and he's about 10 weeks old now, um, and he's very cute. But let me just say that um, 
that was not what Mercy was thinking when he was um, on the way out. Okay? Um, so it was a Sunday afternoon when her contractions began the birth pains set off. Now, if you choose to be wonderfully ignorant of childbirth, um, contractions coming on means essentially two things. Um, number one, it means that um, they are intense waves of pain that come um, for a little time and then they dissipate and then they come again. But the second thing that it means is that once the contractions begin, it means that the baby is coming, but you're not 100% sure when exactly it's coming. It could come after the fifth contraction, it could come after the tenth contraction, for some women it comes after the hundredth contraction. Um, the baby is coming out, but you're not sure when it's coming. Now, um, you might be thinking, why, why am I hearing this stuff about birth pain? The reason is because um, Jesus himself uses this very, very illustration as a call to his disciples to endure, keep going, to persevere, to keep trusting him, proclaiming the gospel before the final delivery. So that's what we're going to think about today. We're going to see how this illustration helps people who follow Jesus to keep going until the very end. So um, will you pray with me, and then we're going to have a look at this very exciting passage. Father, we thank you um, for gathering us in this cold uh, morning. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our heart. So please speak to us, enable our hearts to be opened and um, receptive to your word. And we pray especially if we have distractions in our mind this morning that you help us to put them aside and to be challenged and rebuked and encouraged for what Jesus has to say this morning. We ask this in his name. today begins what is known as the Olivet Discourse. And the reason it's called that, chapters 24 and 25, are Jesus' teachings to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And this is a mountain that overlooks the temple and overlooks Jerusalem. And the whole kind of discourse begins, it's kind of triggered when Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple. So come with me, chapter 24 and verse 2. Jesus answers his disciples and he says, you see all these things, referring to the stones of the, of the temple. He says, truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So the whole discourse gets triggered because Jesus says the temple of Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And so 24 and 25 are kind of a bit of a Q&A on the Mount of Olives between Jesus and his disciples. Now, every now and then, you come across a passage in Scripture where it's actually worth spending a moment appreciating some of the complexity of the chapter. It doesn't happen all the time, but um, it's worth today, I think, Matthew 24 and 25, are two of those chapters in the Bible which is just appreciating that there's been a lot of disagreement about what it actually means. So what I want to do briefly before we have a look at verses 4 to 14 is I just want to introduce you to some of that complexity and then next week you will kind of tie it up in a nice package and you can kind of take away what it all means. So come with me to chapter 24 and verse 3. Jesus um, he foretold the destruction of the temple and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, verse 3, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? 
like our in kids ministry, kids often ask sort of three or four questions back to back. Um, the disciples, uh, they don't just ask, when is the temple going to be destroyed? They ask, when is it going to be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It's kind of like one question, but three questions all wrapped into the one question. What exactly is going on here? Um, the first thing to say is that at least in the minds of the disciples, the destruction of the temple was very significant. So um, if our building here at St. Andrews fell down tomorrow, no one really cared a whole lot. Um, but for the disciples, the destruction of the temple went hand in hand with Jesus um, establishing his rule as God's Messiah and the new age of God's people coming in. So all those three things happening at all the same time and the disciples want to know when is this all going to take place. Now, that's not really the complicated part. The complicated part is when you start to reflect on some of the details of what they're actually asking. Um, so, coming up on the slide behind me, I've also, here's the same question that the disciples asked. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end? Now, when you start to think about their question, and as you read 24 and 25, um, some things are going to happen, you'll start to realize that um, their question and Jesus' answer is not, it's not very straightforward. See, when they say these things, that's pretty clear, the destruction of the temple. But when they say, what's the sign of your coming? You start to read 24 and 25, and sometimes it sounds like his coming refers to the cross and the resurrection, and his coming to the Father. But other times it sounds like he's referring to his the second coming at the end of all history. And then what do they mean by the end of the age? Um, most people just kind of maybe assume it's the second coming where he'll come and end all history, but the age could also be the end of the temple age in Judaism. The end could be the end of the first generation of disciples, or the end could be the second coming of Christ. Um, that is, as we start to reflect on some of the details of 24 and 25, um, you start to realize that there could be multiple answers to some of these parts of the disciples' question. What do you do with parts of the scripture like this? Um, I want to say a couple of things. The first thing is, that at least for our purposes today, verses 4 to 14, um, because Jesus is quite general in his words, um, I take verses 4 to 14 as Jesus speaking about a general description for disciples of him, um, both for the first century, as well as for you and I as we await the second coming of Christ. So I'm going to speak mostly in terms of us as we endure the birth pains before Jesus returns. But I just want to flag that because as you read, particularly next week's passage, and Billy has to kind of make a call for some of the things that happen next week, just so you and I can be better readers, um, you'll need to make some decisions as you read the text for yourself. Does that kind of make sense? If none of that really, if you don't care about any of that, just, just deal with it. We'll get there. Um, it'll make sense as you read chapter 24 and 25. Um, okay. What is life going to look like? before Jesus comes back before the end of the age. Number one, don't be 
be led astray. Come with me to verse 4. See that no one leads you astray, Jesus says. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. One of the birth pains, one of the realities of life before Christ returns, is that people will come in the name of Christ, and people will be led away from the true Messiah. Now, um, perhaps this is someone who comes and tries to actually claim to be Jesus himself. Uh, that sounds a bit far-fetched, but in fact, there was this guy um, a number of years ago, and it, I chose an Australian just to make it a bit more in our backyard. But um, coming up on the screen, this guy named um, Alan John Miller um, claimed, he said, I quote in an interview, I am Jesus, and I came to earth just over 2,000 years ago, and I'm coming back soon. Um, he used to be an IT professional, so it's quite a natural career progression into being Christ. Um, that's kind of funny, but at the same time, um, people have been led astray and followed this guy. And through the kind of um, guise of self-help and self-improvement, um, this man has led people astray from the Lord Jesus. Um, but more likely what Jesus is saying is that there will come people who might claim to take the title of Messiah, or even proclaim a false Messiah. Um, so in our context, um, I don't meet many people who claim to be the Messiah, but there are churches and there are ministry groups that do teach a false Messiah that you and I need to be aware of. Um, have you noticed that most ministry groups in our circle and our ge- geography claim to be a Bible-based ministry? I mean, we would claim to be a Bible-based church. But Jesus says, oh, watch out because you can actually be led astray in ministries which claim to be Bible-based ministries. And the irony is that passages just like Matthew 24 are often used to lead people astray. Did you know that these chapters and these verses are often used to try and predict when Jesus is going to return? But Jesus' point is the clear opposite. The end is not. Being 
gospel, the point number two, don't be alarmed. Verse six, he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Um, do you see the language that Jesus uses? He doesn't say, hey, look out for this particular war, or this particular earthquake, or this particular pandemic. He says, there will be wars, plural, and there will be nations rising up against nations. Um, he's not saying, um, look out for a particular thing. He's saying, this will be the general pattern of life before he comes back, before the end. There will be rumors of wars. You will hear things on the news, and you will read about things. Um, um, you'll hear about pandemics, and you'll think, oh, maybe this is the end. Jesus says, it's not the end. It's just life. It's just part and parcel for the I know that these things don't impact all of us, but for some of us, we are the type of person to become easily alarmed at any piece of news we come across. So, um, I have a, a, a couple of friends, elderly friends, and they send me emails uh, about the latest thing that they've learned. So, the latest one I got was, don't eat broccoli because it causes cancer, because they read it somewhere. Two weeks later, I think, I got another email saying, Actually, broccoli's fine. No, I read another article because broccoli actually doesn't cause cancer. For some of us, we are easily startled by the news of events that happen in our world. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Don't let it deepen you, deepen, deeply shake you at the core. Don't let it cause you to have mistrust in the sovereignty of God. Don't let it stop you from proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Now, Jesus is not saying, don't wear a mask. He's saying, don't be alarmed. Don't let it cause that deep distrust the goodness of the gospel. So endurance, perhaps, if you're someone like that, looks like praying and not being so easily startled by the news which comes your way. Thirdly, don't grow cold. Verse 9 says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. experience is that if you want to hold to the name of Jesus, then you and I will be persecuted, we'll be opposed for our faith. Um, Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he doesn't say you might be persecuted. He says that if you choose to live a godly life, then you will be persecuted. To follow the name of Jesus, to uphold his name, means to expect that to be a normal pattern of life. It's a birth um, at our Friday afternoon kids club, we um, we prayed for the persecuted church, and two weeks ago we prayed for uh, a man named Corral, and he lives in Uzbekistan. And at 19 years old, he was arrested. He was arrested 
on suspicion of murder. And they found out that he wasn't guilty. But then they found out that he was a follower of Jesus. And so they kept him in jail and they tortured him. They inserted um, needles under his fingernails just in an effort that he would renounce his faith in Christ. These are the birth pains of the time in which we live. Um, or if you're someone who has been open about your faith in your workplace and you maybe haven't been um, mocked out loud but you've been ridiculed or thought badly of, these are the birth pains which are part of life for Jesus' disciples. So empty what Jesus says. And then he says, because of the rejection of God in our society, lawlessness, wicked behavior will increase, and this will turn people away from their love of God and their commitment to proclaim the gospel. Their love towards God and towards others will grow cold. Friends, you and I live in a lawless society. Um, your children live in a society where they are saturated with wicked behavior, which, which with behavior and values which are counter to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So endurance, uh, this is kind of a kids' ministry hat on. Kid, endurance for you might look like loving and um, relating and praying for your teenage children when they come home from school and they start to ask, they're not cute and compliant anymore, they start to ask you questions like, why do I need to go to church? My friends don't go to church. And they start to ask questions about their identity and their friends at school are engaging in things um, which you don't agree with. At that point, endurance looks like proclaiming, for praying, for loving your children, leading them in the way of Christ in a lawless society. These are the birth pains before the end. If there were one way to summarize verses 4 to 14, um, it might be, don't miss the forest from the trees. Don't spend all your time trying to figure out when the end is coming, because Jesus' point in his first 14 verses is that there's going to be a delay. The end is not yet, so persevere. Keep trusting in Christ. Keep proclaiming the gospel. Keep persevering through the birth pains and holding on to Jesus. Those of you who are still grieving the loss of someone, Jesus says, keep going. Keep holding on to the promises of God. Keep knowing that Jesus is there with you. Keep persevering through those birth for those of you who are in non-Christian relationships, or if you find yourself in non-Christian families, and you are a Christian, Jesus says, keep going. When home is not a place of rest, but a place of tension because of your faith, Jesus says, endure. These are the birth pains of what it's going to look like before the end. For those of you who are wrestling with what you might think of as your inner demons. Your mind is just not the way that you would like it to be. And you wonder, what is it worth holding on to Christ when life is so hard at the moment? Jesus says, keep going, keep enduring, keep proclaiming, because the end is not yet. 
those of us who are just tired because it requires effort to live in a world so saturated with values that are so opposed to Jesus. Those who cry to Jesus says, be healed and be for the one who endures till the end will be saved. I, I want to finish by saying that whatever endurance looks like for you in particular at the moment, I want to end by saying that the call for endurance, the call for us to endure these birth pains, happens in the context of a great promise. If you feel like you're just holding on by a thread at the moment in your faith, just remember that these calls for endurance happen in the context of a greater promise. Um, Flicking your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible at the moment, I think I put the verse on the screen for you. These are the very, 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 very last words that Jesus says in in the Gospel of Matthew. He says to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Mercy reckons that she couldn't have pushed Lincoln out without my help as that church did. If you feel like you can't endure the very, very promise of the risen Messiah, this is not even the same Messiah, this is the crucified and risen Messiah in Matthew 20, is that he will be with us by his Spirit, helping us to endure until the very in that moment where you feel like you can't keep going, pray and ask that this Messiah can be reminded, pray that God will remind you that he is with us, giving us the power and strength to keep persevering through the birth pains of this life. Shall we pray? My Father, we're in, in great debt to your Son, is the Messiah to defeat sin at the cross and to rise again. And Father, we are indebted that you would so make us your children who trust in you. Father, we know that living in this world, as it's always been for your followers, is um, not always easy. It is a great joy, but it has its great burdens. Help us to be clear that this time will be a time of great challenge and opposition to our faith. And we pray um, that you would continue to remind us that as we um, find it difficult to persevere, please remind us that the risen Christ is with us every step of the way. And Father, we look forward to that final delivery on the day where there will be no more of the opposition and not any more of the pain, both internally in our minds as well as those around us. So keep us, we pray clinging to the cross of Christ as we look forward to the day of your return. And we ask this in Jesus' name.